1: Welcome to the Garden America Show, the country's most listened to gardening program. This is your chance to join us as we talk about gardening, horticulture, landscaping, in fact, anything that has to do with the world of gardening. The phone lines are open right now at 1-855-424-9825. That's 1-855-424-9825 for your questions and comments or john at gardenamerica.com. And if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can also post your questions and comments right there on our page during the broadcast. Now, here's Brian Maine, John Bagnasco, and Tiger Palafox on the Garden America Radio and Media Network.
2: And a very pleasant Saturday morning. Uh, we are off and running. Uh, good morning, Facebook viewers, BizTalk Radio. You are back with uh, your garden buddies, Brian Maine, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco right next to Tiger. Well, actually not right next to Tiger, but on the same... Uh, Plain, as I look at both uh, Tiger and John. <laughs> on the same playing field. The same like playing field. Distance. And let's see, that would be, uh, Tiger, uh, John would be to your left, and John is to my right. You are to my left, and we've confused everybody, except if you're watching on Facebook Live. Thank you so much. It is seven minutes after the hour. A uh, Good show lined up today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Melinda Myers will be our guest today. Facebook Live, Tiger, right? Yep. She'll be on the phone with us for the first hour. Be talking some
3: gardening topics with her. You know, Melinda's always a great wealth of information, and we're looking forward to hearing how she's surviving up there uh, where she lives. So, yeah, lots lots of weather up there.
2: Yeah, lots of weather. And she's, you're right, as far as information, she's uh, one of the best in terms of coming away with uh, things that you didn't know beforehand. Yeah, exactly. And she's real good about that. John normally is too. (laughs) And then the second hour, we're going to be talking a a local San
3: Diego woman here that's focused on school garden curriculum, Caitlin Mitchell, and we'll be having her in studio, and so we'll be talking about her passion for getting kids
2: educated in gardening. Okay, and that is second hour. Yep. So first hour, those keeping track uh, via telephone, Melinda Myers from uh, Malorganite, and the second hour, uh, live in studio guest. Yeah. All Lots set to go. Lots of fun. 2 today. hours, can you do it? Are you ready? I'm ready? Wow. Are you in shape, John?
0: Come on. No, I don't I don't know if I'm ready for this.
2: You did your Pelotron this morning. Did you know that it's getting <laughs> colder
0: at night? It is getting colder. Yeah. I like it. I notice it more living in a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, it is so, so cold at night. I guess I could run the heat at night, but Something that goes against the grain trying to run the heat at night. Yeah. If you're in California, you're supposed to just put on covers at night, right? I think that yeah. is so
2: funny, especially because I live in a trailer. Yeah. And for those that have no idea about your personal situation, that sounds kind of funky. <laughs> but for those that don't know, John is building a house from scratch, from the ground yeah. up. You were going to do it from, from the sky down, but they you thought advised against that. ground up was a lot better, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I was just thinking that uh, you said I'm building it from scratch and. It's going really slow, and I think it's because I just don't have enough
2: scratch. (laughs) enough That's good. Not enough scratch to keep it going. So we're going to be talking, of course, uh, gardening, horticulture, whatever's on your mind. And those uh, watching on Facebook Live, of course, uh, we urge you to... Yeah, good morning to everybody on
0: Facebook that's uh, posting good mornings. Yeah,
2: and post your questions and comments right there on Facebook as we welcome you to the show this morning. A lot of great information. And again, uh, this show today, watching on Facebook Live, will be replayed next week on BizTalk Radio, so you'll never miss anything. By the way, the reason I brought
0: up the uh, cold at night wasn't because I wanted sympathy that I live in a trailer, (laughs) but because that affects the way you water plants, at least in uh, uh, areas of the country where plants are still growing, right? Right. Right. And they don't need as much water, and also, maybe the time of day you water. I noticed that, because I always have a tendency to overwater everything, um, Guilty! W- Guilty! <laughs> <laughs> when the nights are cold, I think it's probably better to water at least by midday if you can, or in the morning. Otherwise, if you water the plants at night, the temperature's going to go down, it's going to stay cold, and then you're going to have soils that are cold and wet, yeah. which is usually not good for for tropicals, for sure. Definitely not. Uh, and plants that might rot, succulents, uh, dry plants. Oh, hey, I just... That, my thought just popped into my head. Whoa. Good. Been a while since we've had a thought yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thursday, I spoke to the Pacific Rose Society up at the LA Arboretum. And uh, I walked up, and I, it's been a while since I've been to the Arboretum and, and walked around. They've got some fantastic gardens up there. Oh, yeah. And the nice thing about the Arboretum is you can see a lot of trees in their mature sizes. And, you know, sometimes. Um, Sometimes a plant can be like a Great Dane puppy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to grow, and it, it's going to be big and and unruly. Look at the size of those petals for that age. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a Madagascar garden that had some really cool plants in it, and I was surprised. I, I knew this, but I was surprised to see in the garden that they had vinca, because vinca is from. Uh, or periwinkles, or whatever okay. you want to call them, are from Madagascar. Uh, what is the genus? Catharantha. Ant- oh, I don't know. Madagascar catharanthus.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, you're. Now, yeah. which
3: vinca are we talking about?
0: The vinca rosea. Okay. Okay. It sounds like a wine. I'll have a vinca rosea, please. Yeah, but I think that the it's one of those where the the taxonomy's changed, and I think it's actually Catharanthus, but but they had some pink in there, enough. huh? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, and then they had uh, they had a lot of blooming pachypodium Oh, yeah. And pachypodium blossoms are, remind me of Plumeria. You know, they're big white flowers, yeah, yeah, really huge. nice. But the thing I was most—there well, were two things I was really impressed with. One was in the Madagascar garden, and I have a, a new small tree that I'm growing, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's— uh, Begins with a U, and it has flowers on it that look like a black-eyed Susan. So the orange with yeah, the th- black around it.
3: Yeah, I think. it's... And like a Rudbeckia black-eyed Susan or the vine black-eyed Susan. The vine. So it has that small yeah. orange with black I eyes. I think it's, it's a Uncarina tree. is the is the species,
0: but it's a tree that it's a succulent tree, and it gets to be about maybe ten feet tall. Is all nice but the whole the plants there they had hundreds and hundreds of these blooms on them mm-hmm. and each one was about the size of a silver dollar if anyone listening is over the age about. of 50 they'll know what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> and then the other plant was in the Australian garden was the brachycaiton rupestris how do you Ooh, remember which one's, which I, one's that one it, that's the bottle tree that looks like a bottle okay yeah i mean it's huge
2: it's fat I could not recall all this information.
0: They have a couple G- give of. Give me those. the
2: name again, John.
0: You know, you can go back and listen to the show whenever you want. <laughs> no, yeah, they have a couple there.
2: of
3: those at the San Diego Zoo by the rhinoceros exhibit.
0: Yeah, oh, you know. Well, thank
2: you for pinpointing that right next to the rhinoceros <laughs> yeah. exhibit.
0: That's very good. Well, the Brachiochitin that's normally sold is. Um, um uh populinum, right? Yes. Yep. And that's called a bottle tree, but it really doesn't look like a bottle tree. It's got a bulbous trunk about all yeah, that to it. Not, as, not like these. The rupestris is, deserves the name bottle tree. Say bulbous trunk again. <laughs> 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 that's what I caught out of that information. But anyway, though, both, all these plants that are in the Madagascar garden there and the um, Australian garden are drought tolerant plants. And then they have a drought tolerant garden over there or a water thrifty
2: garden. So suffice to say, you were impressed.
0: Well, yeah, hey, it really was. And then there's, uh, in San Diego, we have a water thrifty garden over in El Cajon, right? Yeah, Quimaca, they have yeah, a her. water
3: conservation garden. But, but correct me in saying... That's one of my favorite things yeah, to do. exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like the Madagascar climate is very in line with Southern California depends what part of Madagascar but, but, you're from, because but, but that's the thing: is, there's tropics. Are well, you looking the, at the latitude? No, 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 no. I'm not even saying about the latitude, because a lot of people say, oh, the Mediterranean and Australia right, is right. very in line. Uh-huh. But like you're saying right now, John, like Madagascar, just like Southern California, we have tropics, we have mountains, we have desert, right. and we have coast. And Madagascar has all those things, Same too, where, things. where Australia... It's in line with us, but I just feel it's got coast and then desert. And desert. It desert. doesn't have mountains. It doesn't have the same geographic things that we have. Bears
2: yeah, rock. <laughs> you know, know we're very. See, cl- I
3: know he's always going to say something that's going count- <laughs> to counter what I'm saying.
2: We're very close to that in terms of water and then desert. But then as you go inland, I guess you could get technical and say we have. We have uh, coast, beaches, coast, oh, mountains, we deserts. Yeah, we, yeah, we so do have mountains. Yeah. So, 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 but four I those. feel
3: Madagascar has a lot of climates like we have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I it's very it's very yeah. cool because a lot of the plants that they have there, there's some place in Southern California, it would work.
2: And we invite any Madagascar experts to uh, chime in this morning on Facebook <laughs> if you're familiar with Madagascar and the climate. And we're not talking about the kids' movie. Yeah, they not ha- the kids' movie, exactly. They have uh, lemurs. We don't have
0: lemurs. <laughs> I love lemurs. Yeah, we should get some.
2: How about uh, sloth? Are you a sloth fan? No. You know, they're more
0: Amazonian. Yeah. And they so, take their time and, with everything. They're a lot easier to catch than a lemur. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True.
3: <laughs> Vet talk on Garden America.
2: <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to talk about. Hey, we are coming up on a break here uh, very soon, uh, so we're going to try to get Melinda Myers on the yep. phone. Yep. Uh, we did not do our test beforehand, so hopefully this will work Don't out. We should be one. fine. Don't need one. Tiger's very confident this morning. <laughs> so, with that in mind, we are going to uh, take a break. Uh, welcome Facebook Live. Uh, those of you watching and listening to this show again next week will be replayed on BizTalk Radio. So, that said, uh, Brian Maine, John Bagnasko, Uh, Tiger palafox welcome to your saturday morning this is garden america welcome to biz talk radio and facebook live coming right back
5: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
1: details. Welcome back to the Garden America radio show with Brian, John, and Tiger. The phone lines are open right now at 855-424-9825. That's 855-424-9825 or john at gardenamerica.com.
2: And welcome back on this uh, Saturday morning here. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Garden America, along with Brian Maine, John Begnasco, Tiger Pellafox. Hope you're having a good weekend. You had a good week and uh, spending some time with us this morning. Thank you so much as we broadcast live from the iHeart Media and Entertainment Studios here in beautiful Southern California, San Diego. Glad to have you along. And again, uh, today Facebook Live, this very same show. You can hear the replay on uh, BizTalk Radio next week. It is 21 minutes after the hour, Tiger. I think we've taken care of business except for John's quote of the week, which we'll get two and then bring on Melinda Myers. All right. Yeah, this week's quote
0: may be a little late because it refers to early autumn, and I think we're full-on autumn That's now. That's okay. But it's from uh, May Sarton, who is a um, writer from around the turn of the last century. I think you're right, yeah. And she said, I long for the bulbs to arrive, for early autumn chores are melancholy, but the planting of the bulbs is the work of hope and always thrilling. I kind of feel that way. Yeah, when it comes to bulbs? Yeah. yeah. It's thrilling? Yeah, it is thrilling. <laughs>
2: you haven't seen the way I plant bulbs. <laughs> oh,
3: that's funny. Why don't you
2: get closer to that mic, uh, Tiger, gotcha. there? Okay, All, right. All right, let's bring on our fantastic guest.
3: Yeah, so speaking, not, not speaking of bulbs, but someone that also knows what she's talking about when it comes to bulbs, Melinda Myers is joining us this morning. Good morning, Melinda. How are you?
6: Good morning, I'm great. And I had to laugh because last year I planted um, a thousand bulbs. You know, it seemed like a good idea when I ordered them, and really bad when they had to get in the ground. (laughs) But then spring comes, and and the poet must have written this. In spring, because that's when you forget how painful it was to put all those bulbs in the ground.
3: (laughs) A thousand bulbs, wow. Yeah,
6: it seemed like a really good idea. What can I say?
0: (laughs) You know, planting or picking out bulbs or ordering bulbs is not much different than buying packets of seed. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, right? But the thing with seed is you can put them in the drawer where they belong. The bulbs you know, are living, and they've got to go in the ground. Well, That's
3: a good point. <laughs> you know the other the other issue with bulbs, and, and when we were in England, do you remember there was a few gardens that the bulbs were wrapping wrapping up, John, and they were going to be right. like pulling them out. Yeah. But we got to see them where bulb catalogs are very they they show off well right. right and so you see this flower that you're like I can't live without you're it you're
2: so enamored with it
3: yeah and then like melinda's saying but then spring comes around and you're like oh you know I waited all months and it's <laughs> not that was. it's not exactly how I thought it was going to be or you know it's not the red that I saw in the catalog but... that exact feeling is what
0: happened when i planted um, tulip clusiana uh-oh. Which is a species tulip that um, I'm not sure if you remember what it's called, Melinda. Do they call it like peppermint stick or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and and the reason I planted it was because in Southern California it's supposed to repeat, you know, where other tulips don't. Won't, yeah. But it's this little tiny, sickly-looking thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. It's gonna repeat, but that that's a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
6: Because one of the problems is you're right, and and. As the season's waning, for those of us in the north, when the season's waning, we, you know, any blast of color and any hope really gets us sucked in. <laughs> yeah. and, and you do want to order early so you have the best selection. And like you said, then you storm in a cool, dark place till it's time to plant. And then the weather gets cold and that <laughs> motivation kind of wanes. I'll tell you... When those daffodils bloomed last spring, it was amazing, and it made me motivated. I didn't order a thousand this year. <laughs> it motivated me to add a few more to the to that mix this fall.
3: Oh, that's funny. That's fun. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's fun though because. I, I like talking with you, Melinda, because no matter what you have going on, there's always something garden-related going on with you in terms of whether you're planting something or prepping for something, or you know, it, it's just you—you you seem to be able to carry it through the full 12 months. Yeah. Where for you, where you live, that's not always normal. For us, you know, it's 12 months right. no matter what. But it's—it's um, exactly. it's nice to know that that you're back east and you're—you're you're still doing gardening stuff no matter what time it's of still, year it is. Big involved exactly yeah. yes
6: well and I think you know one of the things that we find is um, it's so good for our soul we all know that as gardeners it's good for our mind body and spirit and research proves it now But, boy, if you can move some things indoors, whether it's dragging for us, you know, when fall comes and the cold temperatures arrive, my joke is I'm not going to bring anything in. I don't have room, (laughs) but I might not be able to find that plant next year, so I'm going to bring that in. Well, if I'm bringing that in, I might as well bring this one in, and all of a sudden, every window's filled, right, with plants, and its leaves are shedding in March, but then spring comes, you move them out, and you're... Sucked in again, but you're right, there's so many things we can do indoors. Whether you're in a nice climate like yours, you know, windowsill herb gardens if you don't have outdoor planting space for us, if it's not good growing, microgreens are just such a quick fix and so nutritious, and then forcing bulbs. So, for those of you that are trying to enjoy tulips, but your weather's not cold enough. Forcing some bulbs in that spare fridge might be a nice way, too, to experience a little of the Midwest northern spring that you may be missing if you grew up in that area and miss some of those tulips that aren't, you know, need a colder period than you have in your area or some of those other spring flowering bulbs.
3: Now, you talked about bringing plants inside. Is there anything that you do when you bring a plant inside? Because, you know, one of the hard things that I have is, is I do have some outside plants that every once in a while I do bring in, but then I tend to overwater them once they're inside. Um, is there anything that you do specifically to to make sure that they acclimate from the in, especially for you, I feel like they're going from such extreme yeah, yeah. cold to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you keep your house reasonably warm. So. Yeah, yeah, what is that transition <laughs> period like? You know, is it, do you do anything specific to kind of soften that change?
6: You know, and one thing I've decided to do is, you know, because when you bring plants in, sometimes you bring some unwanted guests along with them. Yep. You know, scale, aphids, so pretty much everything goes out. I figure they're all going to get whatever comes back in. I try to isolate anything, um, not bring anything that I know is infected um, in with insects and disease. I. I have cats, so I don't like to treat, you know, unless I use something like a year-round spray oil or insecticidal soap. But I try to start in the brightest windows I have, put them in front of those. Um, some plants go under artificial lights just because there's not enough window space. But I try to gradually introduce them into the lower light. So if I can do in and out for a couple of weeks, I have these carts that I just roll them out of my shop and back in ah. the first few weeks as it's getting cold. And then start putting them in the sunniest window, and then moving those lower light plants into the lower light situation. Mm-hmm. I'm—I used to do interior scape years ago, and um, we would get moisture meters, and I found my finger worked the best.
2: <laughs> yeah, yep. right yeah. You know what to
6: check for. Sure. And um, I use that as my meter. And then after a while, you get used to the, the signs, you know, that the, the green
2: kind of changes to a gray green or the pots a lot Hey, lighter. Melinda, I hate <laughs> to interrupt you. we got to take a break, so hold that thought. We're going to come back uh, take our break here on Facebook Live and BizTalk Radio. As we approach uh, 30 minutes after the hour, we're going to come right back with our guest Melinda Myers, hour number one. I'm Brian Main, John Bagnasco at Tiger Palafox, Garden America, taking a break. Coming right back after
1: this with Melinda Myers. Welcome back to the Garden America Radio Show with Brian, John, and Tiger. The phone lines are open right now at 855-424-9825. That's 855-424-9825 or john at gardenamerica.com.
2: It is 35 minutes after the hour. Thank you so much for joining us. So those watching on Facebook Live, we do appreciate that. Also, BizTalk Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get
5: lucky just about anywhere.
4: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: If you want to shoot us an email, a question, comment, of course, questions, comments right there on Facebook Live. Emailing john at gardenamerica.com as we continue. We had to go to a commercial break. Melinda Tiger right in the middle of a great discussion.
3: Yeah, we were just talking with Melinda Myers and she was talking about bringing the plants inside, making sure not. Not to bring in any unwanted pests, how that transition is from
0: outside you know, to inside.
2: Doing you know it what over. I
0: always brought in when I was in. Uh, <laughs> this goes along with what you're talking about. You
2: never know when John's going to pop up. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Not those pests. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but when I lived in Michigan, I always brought spider mites inside. Oh, was that a choice? You no. Just loved no. You think spider mites what, inside think where they cute? would where they would thrive and just well, really, dominate they're everything? they're really tiny, Tiger,
3: and you don't notice them. <laughs> Oh, well, spider mites are such a problem. And
0: it could have been because of the dry heat too. Now I don't know. Do the heaters have uh, more humidity in them than they used to? <laughs> I don't know. You know,
6: John brings up a really good point. To
0: get
3: don't, don't, decision. don't encourage him, Melinda. <laughs> um, <you
6: know. laughs> is very low, and if you tend to keep your house really warm, lower humidity. So cooler temperatures, when we went through the energy crisis back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of people were worried about their houseplants, but they actually did better with the cooler temperatures because the humidity was higher. But you brought up a good point, Tiger, about overwatering. So sometimes we think less light, tougher conditions, we need to water more, but depending on the humidity, the light they're receiving, the potting mix that really dictates when you water. I like to group my plants together when there's only so many windows you have. But as one transpires, it increases the humidity around the others. Mm -hmm. Um, I put them on gravel trays because I'm lazy. So when I water, (laughs) the excess goes in the pebbles, the pots are above. And as that water evaporates, that increases humidity right around the plants. And I don't have to pour the excess off. So, you know, it it makes it easier and it's better for the plants.
3: So you're creating its own little microclimate right near all the plants that you have, right?
6: Yeah, exactly. And then I think, you know, you see a lot of the indoor plants in a lot of these home decor magazines and I don't know about you, but if I see another fiddly fig against a <laughs> wall away from any window I think I'll scream, right? Yeah. <laughs> because the photographer, you know, as soon as the photo shoots over, that fig is going back in the greenhouse or in a sunny window not against a wall where it receives no light. So I think we need to help newbies that are getting excited about indoor gardening, you know, help match the plant to the light conditions. And we may have to rearrange our furniture so that it looks good, but the plants get what they need.
3: Now, in your area, do you have some of the same concerns when you're putting a plant in a window as we do, where, you know, windows magnify heat? So sometimes... You know, putting them right in a window could be dangerous for some plants. But for you guys, is it so cool, though, that they just need the light?
6: Well, we have the opposite. So in the winter, sometimes we need to pull them back. And thank you for bringing that up, because right up against the window, it's going to be cold. That's true. You never want to close them, right? We have the opposite problem. And so I had a ZZ plant in my office, and my office window faced west, and a lot of wind. And I had to move them back a few feet because it was just, you know, they'll take the lower light. But I had to move them back because it was so cold, they were yellowing from that chill. And so I had to move them to a warmer spot. So you're right. Right in the window can be a problem. Too much heat in your case. In our case in the winter, too cold. And so you want to be careful. Sometimes that chill is often deceiving where people think it's a watering issue when it's really too cold or too hot. So good point.
3: Yeah, you know how you know bringing plants inside and the watering issues is I think one of the biggest I mean, you know bugs are definitely problematic as John mentioned because they can just run rampant interior inside, but watering plants inside is is something that's always a challenge and then finding that, you know, nice level, but then it changes because then the weather changes, you start running your heater or you stop running your heater and then you got to figure it all out again to figure out how much water you're going to be putting on each plant. I love, when people, I love when people ask how much water. They want to know the exact quarts or gallons to issue to each plant and how often.
2: And everything depends individually on each plant. It's, you know. And then
3: they don't
2: like
3: that answer and they ask someone. <laughs> That's so true.
2: And they're
0: going to do what they're going to do anyway. You say use just enough and not one drop more.
3: <laughs> oh. Um, Hey, Melinda, I wanted to talk with you about something that was happening this spring with Milorganite. Um, They started changing some bags and some packaging and stuff, and um, all that stuff hit the market this spring. So if people were buying Milorganite over the spring, they they noticed a new look, right?
6: Right, exactly. Um, you know, malorganite is a byproduct of a wastewater treatment plant, but they test daily and weekly. It's kiln dry, so the product is basically pathogen-free, and it's held to a much higher standard than organics, natural, and commercial fertilizers. And so they, they updated the bag to reflect some of that legislation, but also... Um, just to give it a new, fresh look. The bag's slightly smaller, but that's also um, to help, you know, gives you what you need for your garden and landscape and no extra. You can't hurt it by doing more. That's one of the cool things about milorganite, but why use more if you don't have to? So they're just encouraging people, as always, to use the right amount and, and a little bit more nitrogen again, a little more phosphorus, Um, And what's cool about the phosphorus is it's non-leaching, so it's not contributing to any pollution. And the research has found that when microorganisms work on releasing the nutrients from the pellets, it also releases some of the phosphorus and potassium bound in so many soils. So you're kind of getting extra benefit by using those nutrients that are locked in the soil, but now some of them, as you're fertilizing, are made available to the plant. So... As you guys know, phosphorus is good for flowering, fruiting, and root development. Potassium for disease resistance and hardiness. So you're getting some extra benefit. Plus, you know, we all try to do the right thing, but sometimes, oops, we forget to close the spreader as we're turning the corner, or our neighbor stops. <laughs> or my problem is when I do my containers. Did I put some malorganite in there? Yeah,
3: right. I,
6: I'm, right and i'm sure i've over-fertilized a couple times but it didn't hurt the plants so it it's forgiving <laughs> and so it, it, you know, it's like oops so it's that's the other thing i like about it and you only need one product in your shed or garage right which, you know you don't have to have one for this and one for that and um, so it it makes it easier i think for all of us to have good results with I, a product that we need to we need to repurpose and recycle
3: and one of the things that i've been Really, for, for us, it's a big issue because of where we live in California and probably Arizona and some of the other areas that are more dry. Not so much for you. I don't think people are using drip or soaker tube like Netafim as much as we do out here. I think a lot of people probably in the Midwest still use pop-up sprinklers. Yeah, yeah. But one of the issues with the use of drip or these soaker systems is that when you use a fertilizer, which is a granular fertilizer like Milorganite, you have to water it in by hand in order for it to work. Drip systems don't water the product in well. And so, you know, when using Milorganite, water it in right after you use it, but then, you know, water it a few times by hand afterwards as then, well. Then then, wa- then watch the drip system, right? Then the drip system yeah. will start to put it down into the roots where it's actually using it.
2: You know, that's a good point because a lot of people would, would you know, apply their fertilizer but then, and then just depend upon their drip system when you have to soak it in, right? Right. Okay. Exactly
6: and melorganite is really one of the exceptions where obviously watering in won't hurt but it's one of those that it's not as essential as it is with the other granules so you have that added benefit too because the microorganisms work on getting it into the soil and breaking it down so it's a perfect um, you know perfect even just lightly you know if you have mulch i'll sprinkle it over my mulch around my trees and shrubs And then just lightly rake to kind of get it down into the soil, just a light raking to get it below the soil surface. It won't hurt if you don't do it, but it gets it mixed into the soil surface, so those microorganisms. And then your drip system, as you're mentioning, does a good job of then getting it even further. And so it is a lot easier to use. And it won't burn. You know, you have that other issue where heat and drought we haven't had any drought this summer we've been on the other extreme but you know you don't have to worry if you fertilize, and all of a sudden it gets hot and dry and there's a water ban in your community it's not going to hurt your plants
3: which you know is so important these days hey so melinda you know it's been wonderful chatting with you uh is there anything else you want to mention to our listeners while we got you on
6: you know what? Fall and leaves falling from the trees. That's happening soon for so many of your listeners in the north and the midwest. Put them to work in your landscape. Shred them, leave them on the lawn. If they're the size of a quarter or smaller, they're going to break down and improve the soil. Shred them and use them as a mulch around your perennials. And uh, shred them and compost them and throw in a little melorganite to break things down and you'll have a nice amendment next spring. So put those leaves to work. Don't
3: rake them. That's perfect. All right.
2: Okay, Tiger, wrap it up. Thank you, Melinda. It's great chatting with you. Thank you. You too. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much. Take care. A lot of great information uh, from Melinda Myers right there. That said, we are just in time for a break. We're going to step aside, come right back after this. This is Garden America on your Saturday weekend.
1: Welcome back to the Garden America radio show with Brian, John, and Tiger. The phone lines are open right now at 855-424-9825. That's 855-424-9825 or john at gardenamerica.com.
2: And welcome back. It is uh, 51 minutes after the hour. This is hour number one on this uh, Saturday morning. Almost Saturday afternoon for those on the East Coast. Uh, back with Garden America, Brian Maine, John Bagnasco, Tiger Pellafox
5: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Uh, great information from Melinda Myers. And if you have any questions, uh, perhaps this week, you can shoot them to us on Facebook, instant message, or john at GardenAmerica.com, Tiger. Yeah, one of the things that we were talking about
3: off air, and we kind of mentioned it was the irrigation right now. This time of year, we're getting into fall. There's things that we have to consider in terms of it's getting cooler, the daylight hours are getting shorter, and the sun is changing. So all of those things mean that you can water less because the Evaporation rate is not right. the same as it was in the summer. Keep an eye on things. Yeah, so I mentioned to John, I'm seeing a lot of runoff around town, and that could be caused by a lot of different things. But one of the things it's caused by is when people water too much and the ground is already saturated mm-hmm. and then they're watering and the the ground just doesn't need it, so it runs off. And so, you know or those of you out there check your irrigation systems maybe lower the time maybe lower the frequency so right exactly just be water.
2: aware of the weather the changes like John mentioned we've gone from you know 90 degrees during the day to 60 75 and at night it's getting even cooler and i mentioned to John as well that in my patio i look at the soil the soil's still moist from watering 3 4 days ago because right. the heat has you know dissipated so rapidly i have an irrigation
0: question for tiger all right this isn't to catch you, it's because I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, because yeah. I've never understood... You want to dri-
2: post your question on Facebook, or ask him live? <laughs> no, I'm going to ask them live. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: I've never understood, in 50 years, drip irrigation, Okay. and I'm finally starting to use it, and, and I, I get it. But is there any reason not to use Netafim in the landscape? Okay, uh, yeah. Like, what, what are the disadvantages? What are the advantages? And explain so, the And the reason yeah. I'm yeah. asking this is because my son, Joe, who's going to be installing this, <laughs> says nobody uses Netafim.
3: Right, right. Well, so, yeah, there are some really good advantages. I'll go with that first. As far as Netafim, is kind of yeah. like an advanced soaker system. So, an, or, a normal soaker system was that black tube that just emitted water. NetFM has little ports that don't get clogged, control the water regulation and all of that, but it's still a tube that you run through the landscape. Advantages is there's zero waste because you don't have runoff, all of that. It's utilizing all the water. It soaks into the ground, so the Uh ground is absorbing it, and you get to place it just where the plants that you're growing are, and you're not watering areas that don't have landscape, don't have roots. Well what what about the
0: emitters that are
3: in that <coughs> tube? Are they are are you locked in a certain distance between yes. them? And- so it, with netafim you're locked in either like a twelve or sixteen <coughs> inch spacing when it comes to that tube. Okay. Disadvantages and people will say why is this a disadvantage and I'll explain it to you You run the system so uh, for a long time meaning when you drop down Netafim using a lot of water Well, no, you're not using a lot of water You're using the same amount of water The same amount of water comes out of Netafim in one hour that you run a normal pop-up system for five minutes oh. So it's the same volume, but you're mm-hmm. distributing it over an hour Well, people would be like well, why is that a disadvantage if you have a break in your line? Okay. Your break is running for one hour and not for Uh. five minutes. So you can, if you have a break in the line, it can flood an area and you can waste a lot of water if you don't, if you don't watch the system. So
2: that's the biggest drawback, would you say?
3: Well, it's a huge. Along with that, along with that, they usually drop it in the ground, so you don't see the lines. So when there's a break, a big, you don't always know there's a break, and it's a big it's hassle underground trying to fix it. it. And it's a big hassle yeah. to try to fix it. It's not an easy fix all the time. But you're less likely to have rabbits and squirrels chewing on chewing lines, on the chewing right? on the lines. Yeah. But the other thing is, is for a gardener that gardens. You don't know where your lines are. You're constantly hitting it when you're digging in your beds. So there are those disadvantages. Mm. Water-wise, it's a much more advanced product. So if you if you were to put it in somewhere and never touch the area, Netafim is a great product.
0: Well, Bob Martin, who is the new president of the American Rose Society... Uses netifim on his roses, uh-huh. and I guess that they started using it when they lived in Arizona, uh-huh. and uh, said he would never use anything else. And
3: yeah, he grows well, fantastic roses. Well, for roses, it's excellent because you don't have the humidity in the overhead watering, which you try to avoid a lot of times with roses or Spreading for, diseases and, things and like mildew that. and all that stuff. Oh, so right. that's a really good. reason. What about hill sites? Even better for hill sites because okay. they have advanced micro. Micro spraying right. sprinklers now that right. are more efficient, and I think that's what my son wants to use. and I'm trying to talk him out of it, which are good. But hillsides, you know, when you water for an hour or two on a hillside for uh, Netafim, it's all going into the ground, there is zero runoff. All right, next time you see Joe, would you please him? tell him? Now, you, you said zero runoff, that's a pretty, there is, pretty bold statement. It the emitter on an edifim emits at about 0.25 to 0.5 gallons an hour, so in order for it to have any runoff. I mean,
2: It would have to be a
3: much higher water pressure. Exactly. Yeah. And you'd have to have that ground completely saturated in order for there to be zero absorption from that. How long limit. a line on a one valve can you run in net FM? Well, the nice thing is that you regulate at the valve to about 20 to 30 PSI, uh-huh. and you can run 500 feet wow. on that because you don't need a lot of pressure to come out at the very end. So, it's really easy to run a very long distance on one valve, yeah, because you don't need, you know, unlike, you're not trying to pop up a sprinkler, which requires 30 PSI just to pop up. Does that answer your
2: question, caller? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, it, it does.
2: How long have you been listening to our show? You sound like a regular.
0: I always avoided... Uh, you know, it's like electricity. I do not understand electricity, anything yeah. about it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And for some reason, drip irrigation was always that for me, too. Well,
2: you know what they call that. Some people call it drip irritation. <laughs> so maybe you fall into that category. I, I
0: did have that. So I, I still, mm. even though... I have 1,000 roses in containers now, mm-hmm. and probably out of the 1,000, half are on drip. Uh, the other half I water by hand, and I, I actually prefer watering yeah, the containers by hand.
2: Well, you have more control. You know exactly what you're doing and yeah. how much
0: water you're giving it. Yeah. And plus, I feel that I'm providing some nurturing.
3: You're, you're involved with the process? <laughs> That's right. Well, so the plants see
2: you. There's human contact. Yeah. You
3: it's it's, it's kind of like if you have children, and... Putting your putting the plate out of food for children is one thing, but actually sitting down and eating with them is another thing. <laughs> we used to do that. I remember is just you know, put the plate out for your kids.
0: No, we used to <laughs> sit down and have you know uh, family, oh, family dinners. Dinner. Everybody used to do that, right? Um, and as we went to um, two people in the house working and kids in school and stuff like that, I think families. Kind of got away from that and then maybe sure. started just having Sunday dinners or something like that. We got to take a break, John. But uh, I was on gonna, that note. Oh, well, then
2: I won't tell you what my son told me no, about No, we're going to finish that thought after okay. the top of the hour. We're going to take a break. We've got news coming up on BizTalk Radio uh, here, Facebook Live. You can just sit and watch us during the break. We're back at six minutes after. John's going to finish his thought. And we've got a special live in studio guest, too. So do stay with us. Brian Maine, John Bagnesco, Tiger Palafox here on Garden of Merit.